electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. Mr. Madoff, what do you have to say for yourself? It's one of the greatest lies ever sold. For the past decade, Bernie Madoff has been the personification of greed, locked away from the world as he serves a 150-year prison sentence. But that's not the end of the story. I'm CNBC special correspondent Scott Cohen. And I'm Chuck Schaefer, executive producer of the CNBC original series, American Greed. For 10 years, we've been investigating the Madoff scandal, piecing together the puzzle, speaking with the key players, including Madoff himself. In this special podcast series, we're going behind bars to uncover Madoff today. From the lawyers, he realized it was all over, to the investigators. He's a pathological liar. To the victims. What he did is despicable. There's no other word for it. The financial ripple effect of his con. In this episode, the next Madoff. In the wake of his scheme came new investor protections. So how is it that con artists are still scamming their way to millions? And can it happen to you? This is American Greed, Madoff, 10 years later. Welcome to our American Greed podcast special series, Madoff, 10 years later. I'm Chuck Schaefer executive producer of the CNBC original series, American Greed. I'm Scott Cohn, CNBC special correspondent. You know, it's been a decade since Bernie Madoff's $65 billion scam blew up and shocked the world. In this second episode of our podcast series, we look at whether it could happen again and whether it could happen to you. Well, I think the best way to try to get our arms around this is just a, a brief update on what he did and who he hurt and where we go from there. So he, I mean, there's victims of really all stripes. It was uh, not just people who were retirees, not, you know, not sophisticated necessarily. No, this was some very sophisticated investors who fell for this. And what Bernie Madoff did was essentially fabricate investment returns for potentially decades, depending on whom you believe. Uh, so he had this investment advisory business uh, that, that people could pay money to get into. You invest with, with this guy who is this Wall Street luminary, knows what he's doing, has a, a history of beating the market, and uh, he will make that money work for you. He'll make, he'll make you above market returns. But everything was, was a charade. The, 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 it turned out that he never executed a single trade, even though people were getting uh, statements every month that said that they were having trades executed and they had these returns. So people had invested something like $17.5 billion with them. Their statement said that that money had grown to $65 billion. Well, everything between 17 and 65 was a complete sham. So let's put it in like simpler terms. If I invested $10,000 with him and let it ride for 20 years and it was a million dollars or something along mm -hmm. those lines, what would I be looking to get back when the when the when it all blew apart? Well, you'd be looking to get back what what you thought you were going to get back. You mean? I thought I'd get a million dollars. You thought That's you'd how get much a million. My account said right, and but you invested ten thousand dollars up front. What you're entitled to get back essentially is the ten thousand um, dollars. So so that's where the big loss was. Uh, a lot of people got 
their principal investment back. Uh, in fact, most people got a big chunk of that back. But everything that you thought that you were getting yeah. as returns that you were counting on for your retirement, for your kids' education, for whatever, uh, that was really just fiction. You didn't have that. You thought you had that money, but you didn't have it. So people were looking for answers. They were looking for who do I turn to and who did they turn to? Well, they turned to, um, they turned to the SEC. They turned to SIPC, the Securities Investor Protection Corporation. This was a, a registered broker-dealer that Madoff ran with this, this uh, industry organization that supposedly insures these accounts. Uh, they were looking for to FINRA, which is, again, the industry's self-regulatory arm, the Financial Industry Regulatory Association. All of these different uh, agencies, some within the industry, some in the government, that were supposed to be regulating all of this, supposed to be looking at all this, supposed to catch a scam like this long before they did. Mm -hmm. Over the years, Madoff claimed he had contacts with the SEC and claimed he had a clean bill of health things of that nature. What, what's the real story? Well, uh, remember that Madoff was someone who was well-known on Wall Street. He had helped develop all of these markets. He had, uh, he had a lot of juice in the industry. His, his niece, uh, Shanna, married a regulator. He talked about that. He was at this regulatory roundtable in 2007 and talking about regulators and um, his view on them. I'm very close with the regulators, so I'm not trying to say that they can't, you know, that what they do is bad. As a matter of fact, my niece just married one. But the, <laughs> but the issue is that they, uh, you know, they, they, they tend to look at the industry as if you're making a profit, there's something wrong, even though intellectually they know that shouldn't be. The SEC really did not catch so many signals over so many years. Um, he, he was, an, uh, in addition to his broker-dealer, the trading operation, the legitimate side of the business, he had this investment advisory business that um, at, at some point was supposed to be registered with the SEC. Uh, he, he resisted that, and when it came to a point where they needed to be registered, there was supposedly this SEC examination that would go on. And they did come in multiple times to talk to him, to look at the books, but they, they failed on so many levels. They didn't ask basic questions. They didn't ask where the securities are. They're, there's something, uh, and Ike Sorkin, his defense lawyer, talks about this uh, uh, an outfit called the Depository Clearing Corporation, which is basically the outfit that clears trades. I don't understand why the SEC didn't pursue it. What's your DTC number? I think the SEC had that number, and if they'd gone to the DTCC, uh, they would have discovered there's no there there. In other words, if his records reflected that he bought uh, 100,000 shares of IBM, for example, and was going to allocate them to his investors. Uh, if they'd gone to the DTCC, they would have discovered there was no contraparty. There was nobody on the other side. It was a phony confirmation. So the SEC, by just asking for numbers based on that, should have been able to cross-check the trades, and they would have known right away that these trades never really happened. Right. They didn't ask that. The other thing that, that uh, the SEC, w that was going on at the SEC, is that there was uh, a man by the name of Harry Markopoulos, who was uh, called himself a fraud examiner based in Boston, mm -hmm. worked for hedge funds, and everybody wanted to know how does Madoff constantly beat the market? Yeah. How, is this for real? 
A lot of people suspected that what Madoff was doing because he had this trading business and this investment advisory business, well, he must have been front running. He knew what orders were going to go, come through the trading floor so he could buy ahead of that in his investment advisory business. So if a stock was going to go up, he could buy it before it goes up and make more money. Everybody assumed that that was the case, but there never was any, in, any evidence of that. And since there were no actual trades, clearly he didn't do that. Mm -hmm. um, but so Harry Markopoulos analyzes this looks through it and says to the SEC years before this fraud came to light that th this is a fraud. This can't mm. be. Uh, for, for whatever reason, it can't be. The SEC didn't buy it. He uh, and Marco Polis, uh, he testified in front of Congress famously after the scandal broke. I gift wrapped and delivered the largest Ponzi scheme in history to them and somehow they couldn't be bothered to conduct a thorough and proper investigation because they were too busy on matters of higher priority. If a $50 billion Ponzi scheme doesn't make the SEC's priority list, then I want to know who sets their priorities. And he wasn't that far off. Um, I mean, he, and he, he brought this to them multiple times. He brought it through the Boston regional office of the SEC. And at the time, the SEC was very compartmentalized. New York didn't want to hear from Boston. Mm -hmm. Washington didn't want to hear from New York. Uh, there were a lot of people, a lot of lawyers in that agency, as opposed to people who had experience in the industry. They weren't equipped. Madoff was a good talker. Madoff was well known on Wall Street. Mm -hmm. They just didn't bother to ask the questions that, that could have potentially brought this scheme to light a whole lot sooner and saved a lot of people a lot of money. Mm -hmm. The SEC didn't pay much attention to Marco Polis, and now Madoff hates him. Madoff called him a moron. When I visited Madoff in, in prison in 2013, and he was talking about the various people who've kind of re deconstructed this and maybe in some sense made a name for themselves out of it, but Marco Polis clearly had a point. Mm -hmm. um, Madoff thinks that Marco Polis just didn't understand it, uh, maybe kind of stumbled into this, and, and in his words said he was a moron. Well, Madoff's in prison. Marco Polis is still at work. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. So let me ask you about the egg on the face of all these federal regulators. What, where did they go? What did they do? Did they accept responsibility? Did they, or what, what did they do to answer this charge? I, it, it took some time. Uh, eventually they did. I mean, it, clearly Harry Markopoulos going before Congress and testifying the way he did. And, you know, this is 2009. This is all fresh in everybody's minds, and everyone wants to know how this happened. And here's this guy saying, I told you so, and I've been telling you so for years. That was 
at the SEC a low point. And think about the SEC mm-hmm. was created in the wake of the Great Depression for the express purpose of rooting out frauds like this one. Mm-hmm. And they failed, and they failed big time. So it shook that agency absolutely to the core. Um, there was a, the inspector general of the SEC, David Kotz, did a big report about decentralizing, about having people with more experience in the enforcement ranks, about cross-checking, about listening to whistleblowers. And, and in the time since, there have been a lot of changes. Uh, the enforcement ranks have, have grown. It's, it's more professionals. It's people who know the markets. The whole office of the whistleblower, which was to the extent it existed before Madoff, it clearly was, was toothless. Mm-hmm. Um, they completely redid the office of the whistleblowers to the point where people, ha- people can now report something that they see. They pay big bounties for, for, uh, for whistleblowing, and people are walking away with millions of dollars for reporting crimes, reporting frauds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so that has been changed. And they certainly have more tools than they did 10 years ago. And they're still wiping the egg off their face. So, Scott, we're talking 10 years down the line here, 10-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And, of course, now that Ponzi scams and financial fraud has come out of favor and it's we don't see these anymore, <laughs> it's, even hard. So, right. it's even hard to make fun like that. Yeah, yeah. But um, are there these types of scams Yes. I mean, we, we, we saw them continue after Madoff. I mean, within a few months, Madoff blew up in December. Within, in February of 2009, we had the Allen Stanford uh, scandal. Similar, similar type of situation where it was a Ponzi scheme. There were certificates of deposit that were um, essentially uh, charades in the same sort of way. The safest investment. Supposedly, this is the safest investment. Oh, but by the way, it's an offshore bank. But Alan Stanford is someone who is is a, a billionaire and has made all of this money, and we're going to bring you into this lap of luxury and make you feel like you're you're a smarter investor. And sure enough, uh, sure enough, Alan Stanford went away to to prison as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people in that case, in contrast to to Madoff, have gotten nothing back. Um, so that that was in the the immediate time frame and kind of unfolding around the same time. Mm-hmm. It was the same financial crisis that undid Stanford. Uh, it was the same financial crisis that undid Madoff, undid Stanford, and a lot of other sort of what they, we started to call mini Madoffs after that. Yeah. Then it started to go away. Uh, the markets came back. It seemed like things were, things were okay. We mm-hmm. know there have been reforms. Um, it didn't go away, did it? No. <laughs> and I can tell you one thing. When you, you brought up a thing, mini Madoffs, yeah. when I would get pitched the uh, story titles and things like that, they, they call him, he's a mini Madoff. And I was like, that has been retired. We're not <laughs> going to call anybody a mini Madoff anymore because there are so many of them. Right. So Jay Clayton, the chairman of the SEC, told Bob Pisani uh, on CNBC that scandals, scams rhyme. Scandals are never the same. They, they rhyme. Uh, I worry all the time about what the next scandal might be. Um, and I can tell you that there are 4,600 people at the SEC that are, um, if they don't have it in the front of their mind, they certainly have Madoff in the back of their mind. And we continue to worry about whether there's something like that on the horizon. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a, a really good point mm-hmm. to make. It's the same sort of psychology that got you a Bernie Madoff, that got mm-hmm. you an Alan Stanford, where people want to make a little extra money. Um, 
there's a, a gifted con artist who can make you think that you have an edge. They're giving you an edge. They're doing something for you. Uh, people can be manipulated. You folks out there, you can be manipulated. Mm -hmm. And if you think you can't be, then that's the first step to being manipulated. And as far as victims in terms of his, I mean, we always look and see like older people. Mm -hmm. We see established people who are looking to retire, looking, as you said earlier, looking to fund a grandchild's education, mm -hmm. things like that, things to be, so they can be remembered as a hero. Yeah. It's got to be so completely deflating to them. Sure, sure. I mean, imagine uh, if anybody's been a, a victim of a crime, a break-in or something like that, the violation that you feel. Imagine this is your life savings. This is your legacy. This is uh, the, the, the education that you wanted to fund for the next generation or the charity that you wanted to give to or just the retirement that you wanted to fund. And it's all gone. Mm. Uh, you know, people have got to, they're, they're, they wonder what they could have done differently, what they could have caught. And those are the right questions to ask, mm -hmm. as hard as that may be. And they also want to look at what failed, what regulatory system failed, mm -hmm. what uh, enforcement system failed. And there absolutely were huge failures in the Madoff scandal. To some degree, those have been addressed. But the thing that hasn't changed is our psychology. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it seems like it's been a bit of a slow time for, for, for scandals, even though they still happen. Mm -hmm. We haven't heard of a, a Bernie Madoff, certainly a, you know, a $65 billion scam. That's not happening. And that might not happen again soon. Mm -hmm. Something like it will. And, and the fact that the markets have been up and it hasn't been as, as hard to make money legitimately, um, that's when the scams are going on. So the fraudsters, the next Madoff, is making his or her money now. And when the market goes down and people want to get their money out, that's when the next scam will show up. But it's happening now. The funny thing that, that I've noticed with American Greed over the years is that when we first started the show, people would talk about the scam would involve double your money, triple your money. You know, you can retire right now because of all this money you're going to get. Yeah. Well, the scams that we're investigating now are ones that say, we'll get you 5%, we'll get you 10%. Mm -hmm. uh, not even 10%. We'll get you 5 to 7% on your money yeah. because interest rates are low in the safest type of investment. So people will take a chance and they will do that leap of faith. And it will ultimately lead to their downfall. And, and maybe, you know, let's give ourselves a little bit of credit and give the regulators a little credit and, and all of this uh, attention that this mm -hmm. gets. Maybe people are at least smart enough to know that get rich quick, if it's too good to be true, it is. But they're still not asking enough questions, mm -hmm. are they? I mean, uh, so, all right, I can make a little bit above the market. That's good enough for me. Well, Again, you still have to ask, how is that happening? Mm -hmm. Why is that person making me 5% when if I invest in a bank CD, I can get 2%? Uh, how is that happening? Where is that edge coming from? Even if it's just a little bit. And some of these scam artists, including Madoff, mm -hmm. including Alan Stanford, it, it wasn't so much that they were making outlandish returns because that would have that certainly would have uh, would have weeded out the sophisticated investors mm -hmm. who said that's not possible. Yeah. It's I'm making just enough better. I'm making money. Maybe some some years I lose a little bit of money, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm doing that much better. 
how are you doing it? You got to ask that question. You got to mm -hmm. ask the question. I think there's also some a lot better outreach now. Uh, I've given speeches. I've met with AARP, mm -hmm. FINRA. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there is an attempt made by the government, by agencies and things like that to educate the public and, and get some common sense out there. There is. There, and the SEC has a whole investor education arm that uh, they always did, but it's doing a lot more. And there mm -hmm. are so many tools now available to individual investors if you are checking out a financial advisor. So you go to uh, FINRA, Financial Industry Regulatory Association, FINRA.org, has uh, their broker check function. So you can check a broker and see uh, who he or she worked for, whether they have any disciplinary record, you can mm -hmm. find these red flags. You can look through your your state attorney general or your state securities division to check these people out. And people really need to do that. There's so much more at your fingertips now than, than there was even when American Greed was starting uh, or, or back when we first started looking into financial frauds mm -hmm. so many years ago. There's a lot more that's available to you now. So that's good. But you also have to just in your head have that skepticism and, and have the and ask those questions uh, and maybe sometimes be willing to settle for returns that aren't beating your, your, your buddy or whoever else, but are that make you feel good. If it's keeping you up at night, am I going to be still be able to make this kind of money? Um, you know, and, and how is this happening? And the things are, are crashing all around you, but my investment is doing well. If it, if it gives you a little bit of pause, trust your instincts on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but just bear in mind that Bernie Madoff, for everything that was extreme about him, and the, the numbers are, are, are insane, $65 billion or just $17 billion invested. I mean, this mm -hmm. is billions and billions of dollars and somebody who was a Wall Street luminary, registered broker-dealer. Okay, maybe that exact thing is not going to happen again, but that psychology that brought us Bernie Madoff mm -hmm. is still there. That, that MO of, of a scamster is still there, and it's not going away. Mm -mm. It's not so you got to guard yourself. And I think we can learn a lot from the people who have been victimized by Bernie Madoffs and mm -hmm. this and that, that nature. And that's exactly what we're going to do in our next podcast. Yeah, the Madoff victims got a lot of money back uh, compared to other Ponzi schemes, but that only begins to tell the story. In our next episode, we're going to meet a couple of victims who tell very different stories about how this all worked and how the system worked, mm -hmm. uh, and, and what it tells us for uh, the way Ponzi schemes like this will be, will be dealt with in the future. I'm CNBC special correspondent Scott Cohn. I'm executive producer of American Greed on CNBC, Chuck Schaefer. We hope you'll join us for that and all of our American Greed podcasts, and hope you'll subscribe. Thanks for listening to the American Greed podcast presented by CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.